0: It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15.
1: Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Gypsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. We just watched the third and final presidential debate.
0: And we're doing our best to bring you some late night nuance.
1: This is Sarah from the left.
0: And Beth from the right.
1: You're listening to Paint 2 Politics.
0: No shouting, no insults, plenty of news.
1: Welcome to The Briefcase. Before we get started with our uh, debate analysis, late, late night on Wednesday night, Uh, just please, if you can, leave us a review on iTunes, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and if you have a chance, check out our website where you can subscribe to our email, pick yourself up a Pantsuit Politics t-shirt, or become a supporter of the show.
0: So we just watched the last presidential debate. Sarah, I'm sure that you have immediate reactions.
1: I mean, I think that I was not prepared for Donald Trump to actually surprise me with the depth of his ridiculousness. Actually, ridiculous is too light of a word with his, his the dangerous uh, aspect of his candidacy. But when he said, I will not, uh, you'll have to wait and see. I will wait and see and see what happens, whether or not I concede. I literally gasped. I went, <gasps> I could not believe he said that.
0: I think that will be probably the most enduring point of this debate. I don't, you know, even though this debate was so much more issue oriented and there is a lot to talk about on the issues, that's the moment that's going to get the most play.
1: Deservedly so, because it's dangerous.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a big deal. It's dangerous. And it's almost like Chris Wallace was framing up for him. Do you understand what a big deal this is? And I don't know if Trump is serious, if he Ugh. knows that this is a big deal and that's why he's doing it. But what was interesting to me was not just that he said, well, I'll keep you in suspense, like, I'll I'll decide. As if we're,
1: know. like, riding for a commercial break. Ugh.
0: But then he went on to say, basically, that she should never have been allowed to run for office because of her alleged crimes. And so it's almost like a spoiler, right? Like he's telling us what the argument's going to be if he loses. Mm. So I, I think it's, I think it's almost certain that he's going to challenge the results. If, if he's actually going to do that, there's a part of me though that thinks all of this is just folded into, you know, Trump, Bannon and Hannity maybe or ALES are going to start some media empire when this is over that's all about keeping people pissed off
1: and- it's just so despicable it's just so undermining to our very systems which are not perfect but they are built on a on a, a f- certain level of trust and the cynicism and it's not even just the the I don't even know the word for it. It's not even it's like cynical. It's just using it all for their own selfish purposes. Like there's stuff at stake here.
0: And I think this is probably the biggest issue at stake. If we can't rely on a peaceful transition of power from one president to the next, that is the most fundamental. That's that's even more fundamental to our democracy than our Supreme Court in a lot of ways. Right. Like that is a very, very big deal.
1: Well, and I was wrote this on my personal Facebook page. What really bothers me about this whole the election is rigged, you know, besides the obvious our elections are decentralized, it would be impossible to coordinate election fraud on that level, especially with something for, for a presidential to sway the results in a presidential election, is that, you know, the first presidential election I ever voted in was Bush v. Gore. And the person I voted for won the popular vote and then did not become president. And so I just don't have a lot of patience for people who tell me the system is rigged and they don't want to participate in it. My very first presidential election, I voted for somebody who won the popular vote and did not become president. And here I am running for office and participating in this system because I believe in our democracy and I believe in the system and just, it infuriates me that people act. Oh, like you're just so naive or like, don't you understand? I watched this one video elections are rigged all the time. It just, ah, oh, it makes me so angry. And when he said that, I just didn't know. I cannot believe he would sink to that level. And I think that any self-respecting major Republican leader who does not come out tomorrow and say, this is dangerous. This is not okay." Like if Mitch McConnell just ignores this and doesn't say what Donald Trump said is dangerous, we will respect the results of this election. Like I'm just done.
0: So I think that moment will endure. I also think the comment, the such a nasty woman comment will be used over and over again. Those to me are the two things that really stick out. Well, and I have to Trump side.
1: And I have to wonder if there aren't going to be another wave of women who are like, "Okay, you're going to stand up on a national stage and call these nine women liars. So here I am. It also happened to me.
0: I think that's true. And I also think that on the other side of the coin, if Trump is smart, he will run Hillary Clinton's comments on abortion in some ads before the election in targeted places because I think that while I personally appreciated the way she owned the topic and spoke about uh, a, a woman's unequivocal right to choose and the, the pain associated with late-term abortions, you know, it's not this demonic thing, that was extreme language for a huge portion of the population, especially in states like Utah and texas and i mean you know the states that seem to be in play for her i think it's possible that those remarks could have a a pretty significant impact and i wondered you know throughout the debate i felt like she went pretty hard to the left on a lot of topics very unapologetically which i appreciate the honesty of it but would she have done that had you know were she not up 11, 10, 7 in a lot of polls right now?
1: Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, I was watching with my book club for part of it. And my friend was like, see, this is why people can't vote for her is because the first stance on abortion. The polling, if you're if you think if you believe that Hillary and I don't really think this is the sole motivation for her. But a majority of Americans support Roe v. Wade, the people who don't are very vocal and feel very strongly about it. But this isn't some dangerous thing. Now, will you alienate evangelical Christians and people who are opposed to abortion because of religious reasons? Yes, but it's not this. You know, it's not a fifty-fifty thing. It's not a majority of Americans support a woman's right to choose and don't want to see Roe v. Wade overturned. It's not this extreme position, and I think she has accepted that and is sort of owning it in a way. And yeah, so, I, I just mean, don't
0: think the majority of Americans are as, are as far as far down that road as she is. I think, I think you're right that a majority of Americans support to some extent Roe versus Wade. But I think that her comments went to a place that most Americans aren't ready to go. And look, I say this recognizing I'm completely at odds with my party on this issue. Like I'm full libertarian on this. We can talk about it as a spiritual matter separately, but I don't think the government has a has a role in this and, and, and I, I thought recognize- she ar- and
1: i thought her argument for that was really strong i did too. i think And I think a majority of Americans, when she says, look, I've been in China where they force abortions or where they force abortions in Romania, where they force women to carry babies and we are not that country and the government does not belong in this decision. I think a majority of Americans agree with her. Yeah,
0: but that section won't make the ad, Sarah. That's what I'm saying. Like there, Mm -hmm. you can cut that in a way that it really turns some people off. So I think that could be enduring if the Trump team has the discipline Uh to go down that road, which is a and, you know, there, there were a lot of. Like I thought very hard left sort of I'm not playing to the center um, moments for her tonight. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what effect, if any, that has on the polling.
1: I thought what her best one of her best response was the 30 year response where she was like, yeah, let's talk about what I've been doing for the last 30 years. When she said when I was in a situation room Hunting Osama bin Laden, you were hosting Celebrity Apprentice. Like I thought, she teed that. You know, they have a part of her website on that where you can like look at where she was and where he was at the same time. I thought that was a very strong answer. She was clearly ready for that. Can I tell Hillary? You you've doesn't... been the queen of everything for thirty years. Why didn't you fix it? Here's what I don't buy about that.
0: I feel like she's always not her personally, but the campaign is always trying to have it both ways. So it's, I'm so experienced. I've been around forever. I'm the most qualified person in the history of ever, but you can't hold me accountable for anything that happened during that period. And I get that a Senator alone can't change the tax code. And I get that one secretary of state can't shape all of our foreign policy. And so I understand the needle that she's trying to thread there and, and that it's a credible needle, Right. But it still just comes off in this way that sort of irks me because I think it's, I think it is really playing both sides. I mean, at what point does your leadership have to produce the kind, I mean, I feel like she's always sort of walking away from the results in some instances. That was, yeah, because, that was not a good I mean, sentence because it's 11 o'clock at night. She's always trying to in some instances, but oh, you know I what I think you mean.
1: got to it though. I think the the experience and the results are two different things. And a lifetime of public service produces an incredible diversity and um, amount of experiences. But it doesn't always produce results because it's governing, not, you know, when people say we should run the government like a business, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it just doesn't. You don't get to just come in and ship shape things up. It doesn't work like that in business either. Just ask what's her name in, front of, in charge of Yahoo. So I just think that, you know, I don't, I think that that is a nuanced and completely accurate depiction of what it's like to be in a, spend decades in public service in which you gain a lot of experiences. You meet a lot of different people, but it is slow going as far as results. And it is three steps forward and two steps back. And you hope that the math at the end, you're in a better place. So I, it doesn't bother me at all. Mainly because I've, because I've wa- worked in Washington DC, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't think that that, I think that is an accurate depiction. I, what also sort of just, I think he had a lot of little memes tonight. But just sometimes when he, like when, I, it was funny because I heard on, oh, I can't think of the name of the NPR show. They had like three undecided voters from swing states on and somebody said, I really hope they talk about Social Security and Medicare. So I went Chris Wallace, even though this person on this radio show got him on my nerves, <laughs> when Chris Wallace asked that question, I was like, goody, look, that girl's going to get her question asked. Like, this is a really important question. Let's listen. And he just jabbered on about Obamacare. And I'm like, did you hear the question? Like, it was so obvious he had no idea what to say about Social Security, the Social Security F- Trust Fund or I was just man he struggled struggle was real on that answer
0: he had a number of opportunities tonight to showcase some depth of substantive understanding and and didn't take any of them in my opinion but something so going back to the point about Hillary Clinton's experience i think you're right and i think that it highlights in trump his real authoritarian streak because i think he does run his business
1: in mm-hmm. the way that
0: he's talking about running the country. You know, most businesses, like your example of Yahoo is a great one. Most businesses, things don't turn on a dime either. You wish they did mm-hmm. in the private sector, but there's a ton of building consensus and a couple steps forward and many, many back. And I don't think that's true in the Trump world. I mean, there, there are other businesses, right, where it's, this person's name is on, well, everything in his case. And, you know, and it's their show. And I think that he thinks that the presidency would work that way. And that really comes across. He, I would love to see some counts of the number of times he uses the word I. Because it's mm-hmm. always, I am going to do this. I am going to make this. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to negotiate the best deal. and And I think it does demonstrate a real lack of understanding of what the role actually is
1: summer is here pack your bag with sunscreen your emotional sport water bottle and that steamy bee tree. but wait don't stop there this year there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short spicy audio stories they bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
0: This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week thought to myself I'm losing track of time it's going so fast it's going to be December before I know it my kids are growing up and I just kind of was spinning out and I stopped and I closed my eyes and I pictured my last therapist who I haven't seen since the end of 2020 but I remember the way he talked to me through these issues and I sort of channeled his energy and put my feet on the ground and thought this is just how time feels now and there's nothing wrong with that or right about it it just is those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Pantsuit.
1: The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you. The clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials, like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling blouses and shorts from $30 washable silk tops premium luggage options and so much more all quince items are priced 50 to 80 percent less than their similar brands by partnering directly with top factories quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us and quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes i got big plans for my quince chiffon pleated skirt in japan they like a loose flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to Quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's dot ecom slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. Yeah, I think that, you know what else I saw when we were, when I was listening to him jabber on and was on Twitter trying to find something productive to read. Somebody had a a like a graph of what they what people disliked about them. And his thirty five percent was like his temperament basically. He's too quick to anger. And her highest count was don't know. I don't know what I don't like about her. Hers was like thirty four percent. Her highest little response was don't know. And I just thought like Well, that's reflective, isn't it? Like, I know what I don't like about him. I don't really know what bugs me about her. Mm. And I thought you saw that in people's response to their debate questions, too. Like, I just think, like, and she, and I think that's what it is, right? She, he, she can get at what people don't like about him, but it's hard for her to answer and sort of show in this debate environment, like, to assua- assay- assuage, assuage—what's the word I want? Yeah, assuage. assuage. That's it. assuage people's fears or people's concerns because they're not really clear. That's what uh, I kept seeing I in people's Twitter and stuff. Fair. I think
0: that's entirely fair. I, think that there are people who have l- legitimate and easily articulated concerns about Hillary Clinton. So, but I do. I, I, I take your point that in terms of her likability, it is a hard thing for people to put their fingers on. I think concerns and likability are two different things. And and I and I always agree that there is a gendered component in the way people are perceiving her. I thought in that regard tonight was better than the last debate and I think the format was better just the fact that they weren't having to physically interact. The way that they did in the second debate, I thought that helped a lot. But for Mm -hmm. me, the star of this debate and the most meaningful aspect of this debate was Chris Wallace and the way that he showed that if journalists want a, a substantive conversation, they can have it. And I thought it really demonstrated how many journalists have missed the opportunity to have that conversation Throughout this entire cycle, going all the way back to the primaries, I thought he did an excellent job focusing in what could have been such a tragedy tonight.
1: Well, I mean, I think that it, it started really strong and it got off the rails a couple of points. He was definitely not playing with the audience at all. But the only part that bothered me about him is just he really pressed him on the peaceful transfer of power. And I guess he really didn't have a choice, but I just felt like it kind of was like, Oh, we're leading up to like, this is really dangerous what you're doing. Okay. Next question. And I kind of bugged me like the pivot to the next question. And that got there the wasn't answer.
0: And that was, yeah, his that's role, true. Right. His role was to get the answer and, and he got it. And I, I, I thought he did a really nice job. I thought he was very even with the two of them in terms of where he pressed and yeah. where he let things slide. And he covered he covered more substantive terrain than has been covered in all of the debates so far.
1: Well, I'm not going to be mad at the last people just because, man, that tape came out on like Friday. You know what I mean? Like we all knew that was going to eat up a bunch of the time. But he did a good job of sort of addressing the sort of personal, not policy related stuff. And not letting it take over. I mean, but he definitely lost control of a couple of points where they were just everybody was screaming.
0: Yeah, but he got it back around and he and he got he got the issues covered. My heart sank when he said, now we're going to talk about fitness to be president, because I thought we've we've done nothing but talk about fitness to be president. And I'm just done with that topic. But but I thought he handled it as well as anyone has. And I want a T-shirt that says I'm not
1: a potted plant. (laughs) lots of memes tonight
0: yeah which doesn't speak real well for our country (laughs) (laughs) that is not an encouraging sign I had an interesting experience and frustrating tonight because we are having terrible storms where I am we've had three tornado warnings tonight and so for long periods of time I couldn't see any of the debate (laughs) Um, I could hear it most of the time, but there were moments that I went completely out, which frustrated me because it probably will surprise no one that I'm the person who likes to like live tweet and that just quoting what people are saying on our Twitter feed. And so I I felt like I had these weird disappearances from my sort of record of the debate because I lost all my signal. So if well, you're I following us on Twitter, a, I had an interesting
1: happened. experience because I like I said I was watching part of it in the beginning with my book club, and it was funny. You know, everybody was like. Uh, oh, I don't want to watch this. You know, I think that I saw Nate Silver's tweet that third debates have the least impact. And I think it's because people are just so frustrated and tired of it. I don't know if we'll see near the sort of repercussions or discussion or sort of impact of this one. I think people are just exhausted.
0: I think it just depends entirely on what people write about and put into ads, you know, because I, I do think I I didn't talk to anybody today who was like, yeah, I'm going to watch the debate tonight. I mean, I think everybody's just sick to
1: death of it. I also enjoyed the part where he not only directly contradicted what his wife had said in an earlier um, interview, but when his defense to the accusations of sexual assault were, I didn't even apologize to my wife. (laughs) I was like, where do you get these things, man?
0: It was weird. I thought Ivanka's statements this week, really distancing from the campaign, were telling.
1: Mm-hmm. Ivanka's brand is in crisis, yo. She's not playing. I saw somebody tweet that—now um, this is just anecdotal—that her—a bunch of the uh, stores, they went in, like, a, her the clearance rack was full of her stuff because people weren't buying it. Like, she's foolish if she doesn't think this, w- this will affect her brand, because it most certainly will.
0: Absolutely. And Ivanka seems to me to be very clear about her priorities, Yeah, which I admire in some ways.
1: Hmm. Well, they're a little selfish at this point when your father is threatening the very bedrock of our American democracy. But cool. Yeah.
0: Just clarity is what I admire, not how she prioritizes Just clarity. <laughs> hey, the one oh. thing that I thought Trump said that was substantively interesting tonight um, is that. When, when he talked, and I didn't like the way he made the point, but I thought, well, there's like a grain of something kind of interesting in there. When he made the point about using more people on trade deals who have economic expertise. And now I don't think that means you sub out your policymakers with CEOs or something. But I do think the idea of, and I'm sure this happens to an extent, But more public and more transparent participation of a broad cross-section of sort of industry, the nonprofit world, like all the different constituencies, you know, military personnel who are impacted by trade agreements. Like, that's a good idea that could go somewhere. You'd have to do it very carefully and think through all the interests and have a lot of disclosure about those interests. But I you know that's the kind of thing where you see these flashes of potential in what someone like a Donald Trump minus all of the personal baggage could have brought to this discussion. I don't know i i I'm trying to maintain some nuance right and pull out something to talk about, and i I feel like that. That has some potential as an idea. Now, you can't really be pulling out some potential of an idea in the final debate before the election and hang Mm. your hat on it. But I thought it was marginally interesting.
1: Well, I mean, I think that it sounds like a good idea, but these trade agreements are so complex and bringing even more stakeholders to the table I don't know if that would create better deals or just more complex hair splitting compromises that benefit no one. Uh, It's not like I was thinking about like with regards to TPP, you know, it's not like we're the only ones that have to agree. And the biggest battle was sort of getting the U S on board. I mean, these are really complex agreements between nations across industries and it's like, we had to fight so hard to get there that we act like the only thing that matters is how we all feel about it. Well, there are other people at the table <laughs> that have to agree to it and we have to get all of them to sign off before we can all bitch about it. I don't know. I thought her thing about the, the trade prosecutors was interesting. I've never heard that before. I think that's what she called them. Right. I mean, it's echoing
0: some of what you've heard from Donald Trump, right? The sort of cheating that goes on in the trade arena uh, arena yeah. and, yeah, uh, that, that was kind of interesting. I I agree with you on the complexity of the trade deals. What I think I like in the idea of more participation from the private sector, um, in addition to you might get some skill and expertise that's helpful, is that it would force a lot of transparency, I think, because you would have to be very clear on what interests were actually there. And those interests are already represented through lobbying, So if you had the if you had more sunlight on that whole process necessitated by more direct participation of industry, I think there could be some good results of that.
1: Well, I mean, I would just to continue the metaphor, I think sunlight sometimes discourages people from coming out of their hole to participate. And you might have people who are completely unwilling to. I mean, I just I've been thinking a lot about transparency generally because I was listening to the Diane Rehm show and they were talking about WikiLeaks And they were saying, you know, Assange's approach is 100% transparency all the time. And we really need to say, ask ourselves, like, is that a good thing? And as a person who, listen, my, even my own campaign for city commission, I talk about transparency a lot, but I think that we have, um, sort of reached this point where we need to talk about how much transparency we want in things. And if we're always served by that transparency, and I don't know if you saw the, one of the WikiLeaks, Email was near Tandon, who I, I actually know from my time on Hillary Clinton's campaign, saying some really nasty things about um, Lawrence Lessing, who's a right. intellectual property guy. And he came out and said the most just amazing thing about her, and his response to somebody saying, but like I mean, like she called him a dick. Like she was not being nice when she said things about him in this email, and his response was so thoughtful and so like really getting to this conversation about transparency and um, really what that means when we, Want everything public. He says, I'm a big believer in leaks for the public interest. That's why I support Snowden and why I believe the president should pardon him. But I can't for the life of me see the public good in a leak like this, at least one that reveals no crime or violation of any important public policy. We all deserve privacy. The burdens of public service are insane enough without the perpetual threat that every thought shared with a friend becomes Twitter fodder. Nira has only ever served in public in public interest sector. Her work was always and only been devoted to advancing her vision of the public good. It is not right that she should bur- bear the burden of this sort of breach. And I just think like, you know, maybe as we push for more and more transparency, with reg- in particular with regards to public service and public life and public deals like trade deals, we need to think about what that means and if that's always good. And, you know, if we if we doubt our systems and we doubt our the people making those decisions within the system. And we really think that just, you know, info and transparency is going to save us. Like I'm just not really sure we're on the right track and I've veered off until it's like the tireder you get, the more philosophical you get. And this is definitely the part of the program we've reached.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that we are, are hoping that transparency gets us to accountability and those are two different things.
1: EarthBreeze eco sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin. So it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children, as young as possible, to do their own laundry. Earth Breeze Sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go, here we go, y'all. Earth breeze eco sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh. Gotta love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off Earth Breeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. Earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit.
0: They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. And I think right now we feel like we don't have any mechanism for accountability. And so we think, well, more transparency will necessarily require that when it could have the opposite effect long-term, I think there's a balance. I think that we also have to adapt to sort of generational expectations regarding transparency. I think we do need to understand that the public is tired of feeling like there is always an angle that has nothing to do with the public interest with our politicians. We have to do something to reboot institutional trust. And maybe that requires the pendulum swinging really far in the direction of transparency for a while and then leveling off in the center. Now, listen, I don't see WikiLeaks as transparency because WikiLeaks is I agree with what Hillary Clinton said tonight, what Marco Rubio has said this week, that we shouldn't have foreign governments hacking our politicians to influence our elections. So I, I don't think that's transparency in the the way that I describe the transparency that I think is important. I think press access is important. Right. Like there are elements of transparency that I think are distinctly American and part of our tradition that that do help us with accountability. But but they're, you know, as as we do, we take things down roads maybe farther than they need to go sometimes in search of a result that that might not be at the ends of those roads. That kind of reminds me, though, the other thing I wanted to talk about and get your take on. When Chris Wallace asked the question about the Clinton Foundation and separating from the Clinton Foundation in office, I I understand that her talking point is the Clinton Foundation's amazing and wonderful and does the best things on earth. I thought it was a strange tactic to answer a question about kind of ethical walling off in the in the oval office by fully owning the Clinton Foundation right and it was so much we and we do this we've done that and we're going to continue doing this i mean the tone was not at all yeah 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 i'm i'm totally going to move along
1: from that yeah i mean i think though the only thing i think about i think you're right i think she could have said address some of the issues with the separation but i think what she's trying to do which i think is Important is again. I know you don't like false equivalency, but there has been kind this sort of only discussions about, you know, with regards to his foundation and her foundation how they were all reacted without the acknowledgement that the Clinton Foundation is a totally different animal that really does a lot of good in the world. And I think she could have been more like, like I said, I think she could have been more forthright on the answer. But I do think that there is something to be said for distinguishing what the clinton foundation does because i think that's gotten really lost in the whole conversation about her treatment within and i do think it's important to the conversation so i don't know
0: but that's a totally
1: different i mean i agree with you their foundation but, but she wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna ask her the systems. next question you know like that was her chance you know what i mean like he wasn't gonna be like okay so now tell me what you think the clinton foundation does that's great you know like she had to get it in there
0: well just but i mean in the that's an important question how how are you going to deal with these interests while you're in office? And the way she answered it by saying, you know, while I was at state, everything I did furthered the interest of the country. That to me, that is one of the issues that I have with the Clintons because they trust their own intentions. They expect everyone else to. Mm-hmm. And I thought that question proved the point of the question. I thought that answer proved the point of the question in a way
1: that. But was, was he talking not about? Helpful. I thought he was talking about the way that they what they've done in the past. I didn't. I must not have heard the question correctly as far as what they were going to do in the future. Yeah, I mean,
0: I I heard it as kind of all encompassing. This relationship was in place during your time in office, and and what are we doing going forward? But I, you know, who knows? My TV could have been knocked out at, point two <laughs> at some point in there. Well, final well, thoughts, anything else you want to say about... The I thought it final was debate? hilarious
1: where it hit the end where he was like, we told you not to do closing statements. How about a closing statement? <laughs> I felt like that was a softball for her because you know sister had her closing statement ready.
0: Oh yeah. oh,
1: yeah. And he clearly did not.
0: But he always... He knows his brand, right? So when in Ugh. doubt, make America great again.
1: I mean, I think that Donald Trump's approach to further inflaming his base is not a winning strategy. And I think that he doubled down on that tonight at the debate. I don't think it will move the needle much. I thought her debate's performance was strong. I thought she picked up some good responses to things that he brought up in other debates. I think that all we're going to be talking about anyway is him saying he's not going to concede. So
0: to the extent that people in in the middle or the center-right Republicans who are uncomfortable with Trump watch this debate. I think that it is possible that Hillary Clinton could have lost some ground with those people. I don't think Trump gained anything from this debate. I think that the coverage will matter more than anything that happened at the debate tonight. That's my summary.
1: All right. Well, thank you joining for joining us and, you know, Sticking with us through our late night analysis when we're tired and exhausted and weary and being so supportive in previous podcasts when we were expressing weariness.
0: And we want to thank Christine, Sydney, Nicolette, and Paige, who support Pantsuit Politics, along with a lot of other people. We really appreciate you continuing to help us make this possible. Please join us on Facebook and Twitter. We really appreciate any of your iTunes reviews and your emails, and we will talk with you again next Tuesday. Until then, keep it nuanced.